Father, we love you today. What a mighty God you are. In your presence, Lord, miracles happen. Demons are cast out. The Spirit of God has preeminence. We're giving you that preeminence today. We're just saying, Lord, just take control of our lives, our hearts, our thoughts, our minds, and all that we are. We are here, Lord, reporting for duty. You have called us to this time and to this place. And we're asking, Lord, today that we'll go forward in your name with the power of Christ behind us. Lord, oh God, and then leading the way, oh God, as the captain of the host. I pray, oh God, that you would just surround us today with your presence. May this be a day, Lord, a red-letter day in our lives where things has happened and things has changed. It no longer remains the same, but Lord, the power of God goes out for deliverance. We're yours today. We surrender ourselves to serve you, asking for your blessings upon our lives, Lord, and that you would just... Go with us in a very, very special way, Lord. Minister to hearts and lives in Jesus' name. Lord, as we open up the pages of the Bible, will you just reveal to us your word today? Just make it known. Quicken it, Lord. Let the Spirit get behind the word. Oh, God, and let it drive home the point where that we today can be changed in your presence. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. We certainly appreciate the Lord and all that he's done for us. And amen. Well, praise the Lord. Looks like Oklahoma has moved here. I hope to goodness, you know, you didn't come here thinking it was cooler weather down here. It isn't. I think sometimes, you know, hell has moved here and we're pushing it back. Amen. So may God help us today and bless you all in his presence. Amen. And I tell you, uh, next, next um, Sunday, of course, our young people will go and be gone and those that's with them. So, you know, we, we uh, 
going to let them go up into Ohio and sponsored them to go that way and we're really happy that they're going to be a part of those meetings and I want you to be in prayer for them. It's going to be really important. You hold them up in prayer. Maybe someone that you've seen that you, that you know needs a closer walk with God or is struggling or maybe got a situation in their life, you just take that person on your heart and pray for them this week. Amen. It would certainly be appreciative. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Let's turn to uh, Romans chapter 9 and verse 27. We got a wonderful day ahead for us where we're going to be having our, our um, time of, of um, the word this morning and then, then uh, the, the communion and the, the foot washing that we will have and we will then have our fellowship meal together or we can just fellowship together. So it's just going to be a great time in the Lord. And um, so let's turn to Romans chapter 9 verse 27. Isaiah also cried concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, except the Lord of the Sabbath, hath left us a seed, we had been as Sodoma and been made like unto Gomorrah. Amen. May God bless you. you can be seated. I've got a little thought this morning that I want to press upon your hearts today of possessing the land of promise. And so we're going to be looking at that as I believe that we're a people in one of the greatest ages that there's ever been. And it's an it's a age of the rapture where we transcend dimensions and go into the realms of the supernatural. And so to do that, we, of course, have to be a supernatural people, a super race as we near him. And, of course, as um, Brother Branham told us in How Can I Overcome, he, he talked about how the realms are already blending. And he said, we see this age that we live in. It's one of the grandest ages of all ages. This Laodicean church age is the grandest of all the church ages because it is the ending of time and the blending of eternity. And then it's the greatest sinful age. There's more sin in this age than there was, has ever been. And the powers of Satan is many times harder to fight than it was in any other in any age here. So you see, it's a, a time where the blending of times or the blending of realms where the creatures of time enter into eternity. And then it, that calls, of course, for a supernatural people, a people who have more than the mechanics, more than the theology of the word and right doctrine, but also the dynamics. Certainly, the, the mechanics must be in order. That's true. You know, the, the, the truths of the word had to be restored and the correct doctrines put in place. And there is certainly an, a great importance that we place upon that because we must be correct on the word of God. And so, but the mechanics must be in order just like a, a rocket just leaving the earth and entering into heaven's atmosphere 
that without the mechanical parts being in order, the, the rocket itself would never launch. But it takes the dynamics then to come with the mechanics and push it from the earth's atmosphere into the heavens. Now, the world is in a race. In one age, we have moved from the snail pace of, of a horse and buggy. And um, we have come now to where that man moves into realms of outer space, propelled by fire and lifted by air, an unseen force. Man travels beyond his ability across the, the globe and, 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 and then into the other realms beyond this, this um, atmosphere of the earth. And if the natural types are spiritual, then we too should also be working in the supernatural realm. And uh, lifted by the Spirit, uh, an unseen force into realms um, eternal. And so we, where we will meet Christ in the air, you know, we'll rise to meet him lifted by the Holy Spirit, leaving the earthbound realms and, and the life of sin and shame and the troubles of this earth. I'll tell you what, it's going to be a wonderful day when it's all over. And this, of course, as we speaking about this land, the promise, I want you to say that we are a, a blessed people today. Because we have returned to the land of promise, yet it's not without opposition. Because this is a populated land like the Israelites found, filled with Canaanites and Amorites and Hittites and Jebusites. It was, it was already others that had camped down upon there, but God had said to them, their time was up. Amen. And I wanted to say, it's, the time is up for sin. The time is up for the wickedness of this world. The time is up for the devil and his reign. We're living in a time where God has declared the iniquity of the Amorite is full. Amen. It's time now, you know, to lift the bride out of here and take her into her possession and pour out the wrath upon the earth. So we're, we're here in a wonderful moment in time. We're blessed to be here of all ages. Now, as I said, this land promised to us is also inhabited with demon powers to resist us, and that must be conquered. For we battle against unseen forces of demonic powers whose job is to keep us from that heavenly atmosphere of faith where all things are possible. So you see, Satan and his army is, to, is there to beat you down. Pointing out your human flaws, your human failures, trying to get you to ignore the real work that is done in your soul. He's always haunting you with memories of your past, trying to, to, to cower you down where that you, you can't possess all that God has called you to be. So the devil will do everything he can to try to, to destroy you. He's a thief. He comes to rob and to kill and destroy. And there when he comes there, he comes there and he'll point out your human flaws, your human weaknesses. He'll do everything he can to disqualify you and say you have no right to this land and your position in the land. You see, the devil, he will work overtime to do that. Are you with me? Amen, because that's his work. And so this is the most greatest sinful age 
is more sin in this age than that there ever has been. And the powers of Satan is many times harder to fight than it ever was in any other age. So you see, there, it, is, it is a wicked age. It's a horrible age that we're living in. Demon powers coming against even more. The Bible said in the book of Revelation that it has been released into this dimension to come against us in this day. And, and so you see, he is there because he does not want you to possess the promises of God. He wants to keep you, th- you know, thinking with a slave mentality where that you are still in bondage, where you, you're still having to bow to Satan and you still are expecting his whips and his beatings and everything else. But you see, I I want you to know he's there with the opposition. But I want you to know you've got a job to do because there's still a lot more land for you to conquer. Amen. There's still a whole much more you got to take back from the enemy that the enemy has stolen from you. You've got to take your inheritance. Amen. Now, what, what Canaan represents you see, is the Holy Ghost in its fullness. So when we're talking about the land of promise, we're talking about the fullness of the Holy Ghost. So again, that's what his fullness means, or what it means, you know, Canaan, Canaan represents the Holy Ghost in his fullness, and I want you to know, it's in reach of all who wants it. It's in reach of all who wants it. Now, you say fullness, Brother Tim, what do you, what do you mean? I, I mean that there's still much more to be conquered. And let me say, you know, the, the, you know there's, there's much in this land. I, we, we can say, oh, there's many gifts of the Spirit. Uh, they're speaking of the tongues in this land uh, of the Holy Ghost. But that's only a gift. And many people will stop there. Amen. The Azusa Street Movement claimed to have fully entered into the Holy Ghost, but they only just barely tapped into the anointing. And I want you to know the whole land lays before you. I want you to know every promise of God's word lays in front of you, not just one or two. You don't have to cherry pick. You can have, you, you don't have to ration it. Amen. You just don't have to take part and leave, leave some and take some and leave some. No, you, it's all there for you. I want you to understand, you know, it's there. It's untapped resources. Things that you have not yet experienced in God that he wants you to experience. You know, again, there are many things in that land. For example, holiness in our behavior and dress is there. But many have stopped just being sanctified. And then, then, you, then others will say, but it's the word, Brother Tim, it's the word. It, you know, for the mysteries of God are finished and the seals are open and the fullness of the word has come. And yes, and that means every divine promise of God is ours. That's what that means. Now, just as Jericho had to be conquered and, and its walls torn down as they were holding back and sealing back the, the, the rest of the land. You see, the walled off mysteries of God had to be restored. And, and, and so it had to be broken down. The seals had to be opened. The mysteries of God had to be revealed in this age 
But that was just to open up the rest of the promises. Jericho isn't all that we want to conquer. There's the town of Ai. There's other towns, you know, that, that has to be taken. And we cannot be just satisfied with knowing the theology of the mysteries and leave all faith and working of miracles and divine healing and overcoming power. You see, now, when we're talking about this, let's understand what we're possessing. Israel was going into their promised land and... And as they were going into that land, that land lay before them was Canaan, and, and they were taking a physical land. But now for us, Canaan does not represent somewhere in the distant future in the millennium, but it represents the age of the overcomer. Now, because in Canaan they killed, they burned cities, they, you know, they, um, they conquered, but there's not going to be any death in the millennium. So you see, it, it isn't that. But, then, but what it is, it is, it represents the Holy Ghost and all the Spirit of God decrees for the believer. So every promise of God belongs to you. Now, and it's laying before you for the taking. Amen. Whatever it is, it's laying before you for the taking. And God wants it possessed. God has declared, go take the land. Now, and of course, it shows where the churches come, like Israel did in the same way. As a justification by faith when they believed Moses and left Egypt and then sanctification along the line of, of the pillar of fire and the atonement of the sacrificial lamb in the, in the wilderness, but then entering into the promised land. And I want you to know, now, in one sense, every age has entered into its portion. But I want you to understand no other age has stood where we stand. We're living in a time to possess it all. This is where we're at. Amen. A time where every promise, even the rapture, all the way to the rapture, the change of your body is afforded to you. It lays right before you. Now, so what is... What is the New Testament, uh, what is the land promised to New Testament believers? It's the Holy Spirit. For he said in Joel 28 that it'll come to pass in the last day, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Amen. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and on my hands made my manservants, my maidservants will I pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. I'll show wonders in the heavens above and in the earth beneath and pillars of fire and smoke and vapor. And there, and Peter would, would declare, this is that. Right. On the day of Pentecost when he, when he proclaimed, repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins to take back all the tr- trespasses and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, so there were three stages of this journey that Israel was taken. Three stages. We're justified by faith, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, 
forsaking the land of Egypt, sin and all of it leaving behind us, sanctified through the offering of his blood, washed from our sins, becoming pilgrims and sojourners and claiming we're seeking a land, a, a city uh, that's coming or a promise. But I want you to know that's still the wilderness. And what, if you're there, you're just still on your journey. You're headed the right direction. You've left Egypt. You've been justified by faith. You believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. You proclaimed the message is true. You set out on a journey, but you're not there. The wilderness was never given to them for them to live in. It was given them to pass through. And God wants you to pass through justification and pass through sanctification and enter into the land of promise. Now, that's what God wants for you. He has a land prepared, and you can't stay in the wilderness. Now, there may be more wonderful things and experiences that happens in the wilderness journey. You may get an angel's bread come down from heaven. You may get water from a rock. You may be baptized in the Red Sea. You may, you may have wonderful experiences there. Amen. But that's not where you're to dwell. And that's what happens to a lot of people is they stop right there and they don't go all the way into the full possession. Now, so Israel in the wilderness, sojourners, they were not to rest there, you know, stay there. They were traveled day after day following the pillar of fire. But they finally come to the promised land where they will settle down. In other words, possess the full promise, the full promise of the Holy Ghost. Remember, we're not going to a physical land. We're going to a spiritual land, and that land is the Holy Ghost. Now, and, and, and let me just say, when you go beyond the curtain of time, it's just more of the same. Amen. You enter into divine love, which is the Holy Ghost. So everything that is possessed for, by, for the believer, what God wants you to have is to be filled with the Spirit. Amen. Now, so this, this uh, land, they, they could look as they would arrive there and say, you know, we have come to the, where Abraham walked. We're here where Isaac was here and Jacob there poured oil upon this stone here and saw a ladder come down. Here, are, are, this is a place where Israel, Jacob became Israel and, and the 12 sons were born. This is our land. This is our ancient land and we're coming back to possess it. And what, you know, they can say, I, I want to walk where Abraham walked. I want to journey down to Gerir. I want to go over here to this place. I, I want to worship on this mountain there. I want to do that. I want to possess everything that they have. I want to be where Jacob, you know, as I said, saw the ladder come down from heaven. I want to be there in this land. Now, but this ancient land of the Holy Ghost that we have returned to is where Jesus trod. Amen. Where the Holy Spirit fell, where Paul preached, where the principles of the word were given. 
And we have returned back to the land so we can get back in the same position Paul was, Peter was, Jesus was, back to the original gospel. And that's why we have returned. It's our land. But now we've been out of it for seven church ages. Seven church ages. But we're coming here for a reason. Because we've got to come back to this land of the Holy Ghost to receive the Messiah. Jesus has got to come back for a people. Amen. I, you know, I, I think about it when, when, uh, when um, Caleb said, give me this mountain. What's he want with this old mountain? Well, how come he wants that? Well, you know, there's big giants on it. All of that is there at Hebron. And there, there, is, there at the foot of this mountain is a graveyard. What's so important about this graveyard? Why do we want this graveyard? Well, Abraham was buried there. And Isaac was buried there. And Jacob was buried there. And we're going to bring Joseph's bones back and be buried in the promised land. So why do we want, why do we want this old graveyard anyway? Because Job had said, you know, or Abraham said, bear me where Job was buried, right here in this promised land. Are you with me? Amen. So again, he said, because I saw a vision. And I know that my Redeemer lives, and in the last day, he'll stand upon the earth, and I want to be buried where he comes. So the rest of them were buried there. And so Caleb said, give me this. Now, there's giants on it. And I want you to know there's giants on the resurrection. There's giants standing on your body change. There is giants standing on the rapture, doing everything he can to keep you back from your inheritance. But the reason we're coming back to this land is not just to possess it and have a good church called the Evening Light Tabernacle. We want to come back to this land to welcome back Jesus Christ to the earth. Amen. Give me a little more sound up here. Now, this ancient land of the Holy Ghost, as I said, that we have returned to is where Jesus trod where Jesus left and ascended, and where the Holy Ghost fell, where Paul preached. Now, and I want you to know that this journey into this land begins for all of us. You know, that where we come, we leave Egypt behind us. We start following the pillar of fire. We start out, you know, with uh, justification by faith. I I believe the land is for me. I'm an Israelite. I'm not just a slave. I'm not going to stay down here and be a slave to the devil the rest of my life. I'm not going to push drugs and alcohol and and sex sins that would ruin my life. It's, It's made a slave out of me. But that's not who I am. That's who the devil tried to make it of who I am. I'm a child of the most high God. And I'm gonna go to where, where that uh, place where it's our land, where we're not slaves, where freedom rings. 
where I can have my own place, my own house, raise my own family, raise virgin daughters and virgin sons. Come on, this is what I want to do. I want a holy place and be a holy nation and a peculiar people. So you start out on this journey. You know, where that you're, you come separated by the washings of the water, by the word believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and then being justified by faith. You become a partaker in your peace with at God through Christ and you baptize them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, you know to and that 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 sets you out on your journey. I want you to know many times people will stop there. I believed and I was baptized. And that's the end of the journey. That's not where that's not where you were to arrive at. You're still out in the wilderness. It's a stage and a step toward the promise but you haven't received the promise. Now, so again, as you're looking there, you're, you're headed toward a promise that God made. And what was the promise that God made? He made you a promise of the Holy Ghost and all its properties. To you, to your children, to them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, once believe in the message, accepting the pardon and forgiveness of sin, you've started a journey. Amen. But your journey is not complete till you get to the land. And then that land is the land of the Holy Ghost. Now, in the, in the message adoption, Brother Branham speaks of this. Give me another microphone. This, this one is, um, I feel like it's, not, not carrying it. So get me another microphone. Timothy said, get comfortable. <laughs> How many here to have church? Amen. Amen. Let's go forward then. It sounds better. Thank you. Anyway, Israel, you know, had not received the promise getting out into the wilderness. Just leaving Egypt wasn't enough. You see, they were on a journey. And that's where that we have seen other, others who have started out in the past. In these seven church ages, we have, we've seen like Nazarene pilgrim holiness and all of them fell because you know, they, they didn't go all the way into the promised land. They just built a camp out in the wilderness. And because Israel, when they came to the, came to the place of Kadesh Barnea, and I've got a lot of things to say about that. Well, if I don't get to it today, I'll get to it. But, but, but when the spies came over and said, the land is great. And they brought back evidence, but there was others that went and said, we can't take it. But Joshua and Caleb, they stood out and said, but we're more than able to take it. God gave us a promise. We can have this. We can have what God said. It is our promise. This is our land. Well, but we didn't realize that we'd go on. You know, there was... There was all of this, and they were just happy with their truth, 
works of grace, of justification and sanctification, and they wouldn't move any farther. How many people sit right there, even on message pews, that they've gone through repentance and baptism and done those kind of works, but they've never went on to a real experience to going into the land and discovering all the promises that lays in that land. Now, as we're looking at it, instead of people going home, Brother Bradham said, receiving the Holy Ghost, and I'm quoting him, speaking with tongues, receiving the power of God, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, signs, wonders, and miracles, they felt like it would break down their tradition of doctrine. So you see, Pilgrim Holiness and these moves of Methodism wouldn't go any further. They looked right at the promised land and said, We cannot take it. And we must never stop at justification or sanctification, but we must go on into the fullness of God. You know, don't stop at just believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and being baptized. Don't stop at just saying, I believe the message. And so that that is the Holy Ghost. No, that is not the Holy Ghost. That's just being able to read that your intellects that you think with and a mental assent. That's not the Holy Ghost. Amen. You say, well, the evidence is believing the word. Yeah, you believe the word that says repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for this promise is to you. So yeah, you will believe the word. And when you believe the whole word of God that said repent, be baptized, and receive the Holy Ghost, that entitles you to the token. That entitles you to the land. Now, but you know, we must stop. We must not stop because he cleaned us up from sin. But we're pressed on to a position, a position in the Holy Ghost and taking our place in that land. Now, you see, that's our adoption. That's our that's spiritual maturity. Receiving the Holy Ghost and coming into the fullness of his promise. As he just mentioned, speaking with tongues, receiving the power of God, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, signs, wonders, and miracles. With baptism after baptism until we're changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Now, I don't know what people think we're entering into. So, well... Adoption, Brother Tim, full maturity. Well, that's the token. That's the Holy Ghost. That's the promised land. And that promised land is the Holy Ghost. Now, in 1961, on February the 11th, there was a man came to Brother Branham by the name of Danny Henry. He was in a full gospel business meeting, and Brother Branham had just preached, and this man came up and Sort of embarrassed him, you know, because he grabbed him and hugged him and, and said, Brother Branham said, you know, that could be the, the 20, 23rd chapter of Revelation, which there's not many, that many chapters, so that would be a, an addition to the Bible. And so, you know, Brother Branham, you know, said, no, I, I just tried to preach what was in the Bible, but this man was all excited, you know, because of, of, of what he had heard and, and, and how it had blessed him. He wasn't criticizing but, and so as he, as he did, the Holy Spirit fell upon him and he began to speak in French. And he didn't know French. But there were three, at least three witnesses there who were French that did write down what he said. 
So they interpreted, they heard what he had said in the French language because they were French-speaking people. And it said, because thou hast chosen the narrow path, because thou hast chosen the narrow path, the harder way thou hast walked of thine own choosing. And Brother Branham, as he's looking at this, he says, you know, he says, um, you've you got to make choices yourself. Moses had, had made his own choice, and he didn't have to do it and neither did I have to take this path. He said, I could have big buildings out yonder like some of them's got. I could have be all across the television who would sponsor me when I'm tearing down the very foundation. But one thing, I don't have to bow down to nobody's feet. But the Lord Jesus Christ says, right, yes, I preach what the Bible says. I don't have to compromise with their organization because I belong to them. I made the choice. And you know, that's the same thing with you. You've got to make a choice. It lays in the lap of every person this morning. Where are you going? What, what Will you stay where you're at? Are you just camped down where you are? Are you willing to go on into the fullness of the promise? There is more for you than what you've experienced. There's more for you than what you got. Say, but Brother Tim, we're in the land. Hallelujah, we got the Holy Ghost. Then there's more of that Holy Ghost to be experienced until you are changed. But people get happy where they're at. And they, want, they will camp down at one place and, and they won't even fight to help somebody else get where they're going. You know, I've heard people say, you know, say and brag that they were so mature, they didn't have to go to church. It was only for the babies. Well, if you're so mature, then how come you're not giving birth to babies? How come you're not out, out there helping the babies mature and to grow in the Lord? If you're so mature, I'll tell you what you become is Granny Grump. Amen, you're way past barren. You're way, you're way past value for anything. It's time for you to cross over and get on over somewhere else because you're no value at all anymore. We move on into God. Come on, I'm not talking about because you're a certain age. I'm talking about spiritual conditions. Amen. So you see, again, you know, you, again, in this land, we can preach what the Word says. We can believe what the Word says. We can experience what the Word says. We don't have to bow down to some system of man. So Brother Branham said, I was given... He said, I was given two signs, he said, of confirmation like Moses. And he said, so, you know... He said Moses had to make his choice. And that's easy to understand because thou hast chosen the narrow path, the harder way. Thou hast walked of your own choosing. You see, a lot of this, God don't make the decision for you. And nobody else can. You can sit in your mully grubs all you want to and nobody can get you out of them. You can sit there and feel sorry for yourself and, you know... Why, if you were in a, in a bar, you'd be down in your beer. You know what? Because why? Because, and, and nobody can help you. You've got to get up and get out of that yourself. Amen. Amen. Nobody else can deliver you out of it. You've got to do some fighting. 
This land is worth fighting for. The promises of God are worth fighting for. Your marriage is worth fighting for. Your children are worth fighting for. Come on now. Amen. The power of God in the church is worth fighting for. A Holy Ghost meeting is worth fighting for. And it's a fight. It's not going to just be handed to you on a silver platter. You got to choose. You got to make a choice. You got to make a choice in this service whether or not you're going to go further with God or whether you're going to try to remain the same and slide back. Now, this man was speaking in this French language and then the interpretation said, thou hast walked of your own choosing, but thou hast, per- thou hast per- picked the correct and precise decision and it is my way. Amen. If you're going to make a choice, wouldn't you like God to say about you, you did my way. Amen. You came the way of the word. You did what the word said. You obeyed what the word said. Well, God won't give me the Holy Ghost, Brother Tim. Well, if you'll obey what he said, he will. Otherwise, it makes God a liar. God said if you'd repent, you'd turn from your sins, you would be baptized in the name, he'd give it to you. So he's, well, I hadn't got it yet. Well, you still hadn't repented. There's still something wrong in your repentance. Amen. He's sitting there dawdling around and just saying, well, it's got to just be, God, if he wants to give it to me, he'll have to give it to me. That's Cain's attitude. This is the best I got. Take it or leave it. That was Cain. Amen. Now, so he goes on to say, he says, he said, thou has, because thou has picked the correct and precise decision, it's my way. And because of this momentous decision, a huge portion of heaven waits thee. And, and, and of course, you know, he said, that, then he goes on to self that, say that this in itself will give and make to come to pass their tremendous victory in the love divine. So what in the world does that mean? You see, divine love is the Holy Ghost. Brother Branham referring to this and standing in the gap, he said, now in the love divine, the divine love, how can that be divine love if it isn't the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is divine love. So he said, I, I'm not giving you a greater portion in heaven, and so you're going to have more than everybody else. But I'm going to give you a portion because of your decision. I'm going to give you a portion, a greater portion in the Holy Ghost. Amen. So that tremendous portion in the love divine is the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is the land which we have entered. We have arrived. And for the seventh angel, messenger, That was a tremendous victory for him and for all of us. Because, again, it wasn't a big portion of heaven up there, but no, it was a greater portion of the Holy Ghost given to this age so that the seven seals, the mysteries of God, would be open to us so that it would open up the entire word of God. Every promise of God. And he said this in the tremendous victory in the divine love. 
So, you know, in the Holy Ghost. Now, he had had a vision or aware that he saw himself looking there and he saw a map of Palestine. And there as he was coming down to, to, down to the, the map that he was standing on, he said, I had come two-thirds of the way. And we had come to the Jordan. And he said, praise God, on the other side is where all the promises lay. Now, I want you to understand, you know, the message of Luther did not bring us into the promised land. The the Methodist message did not bring us into the promised land. It was a step closer. And Azusa Street got close enough to speak in tongues. But it wasn't the promised land. I want you to know this message is what brings you into the Holy Ghost and to its fullness. It provides for you the token, not a gift, but the literal life of Jesus Christ. Now, so you see, he looked at it and he said, we've come, we've come two-thirds of the journey. That's as far as Pentecost had come. That's as far as Luther had come. That's as far as Wesley has come. And I'm talking about Pentecost, Azusa Street. But now he said, as he gets through to his message on paradox where he tells of this vision, and in, the, in between that vision, he sees that on that journey, there on the path, on the highway, is, is a big mamba snake. And it's out to get and to kill and destroy because the devil will do anything he can to keep you out of the promise. And he said every time it would come to me, it would just slow down and come slower and slower until it would stop. But after others, it was chasing them around and, and they were just one step ahead of it. And he said, you've been given power to bind or loose. And because of the power that was given to him, he said, then Satan, that I might know the power that I have been given. I bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And what happened there? They, he turned and he, and he turned into a, 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 like a, 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 that snake turned into something glass and its tail wrapped around its neck and blue smoke fell, flew out of it. And he said it it formed like an and sign. And he said that meant anything beneath him. Him and everything beneath him. Are you with me? Listen, we are living in the day where there's got to be a people who binds the serpent death and are changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. And when you do that, you'll bind everything beneath him. Now, so he said, we won't be the hireling that runs back in the wilderness. We'll cross Jordan, the separation. God, break to us the seals that's on the back of the book. So he knew then that that crossing Jordan would bring us into the fullness of the Holy Ghost and the seals of God would be open. The, the book would be open. Come on, church. I mean, you know, I was just at a meeting there in Germany and, and uh, there's a man who went around, you know, 
a preacher went around and said, this guy, this guy's preaching some weird doctrine. He's preaching that we have an open book. I said, well, I sure wouldn't want to be preaching. The book was closed. This is no weird doctrine. This is, a, this is the Bible truth. This is what God done in this day. Amen. God saw that, that we entered into the Holy Ghost and a huge portion of heaven was given to the prophet of God and that was that the seven seals would come off the book and it would open to us all the land. Every promise in the Bible all the way to a rapture. Well, you can sing it again and say, there's never been a day like this day to me. We're living in an awesome hour and an awesome time. Amen. Now, so he, he tells us this will be the tremendous victory in the love divine. Now, listen, because that this prophet would not go the way of denomination, because he would not sell his gift for money, because he did not become popular. Now, the church world criticizes him today. Say so he didn't know how to handle money. He didn't know how to use his gift. He didn't understand his position. All of these yeah, yeah that they have about him, but that was the very thing that God used. Because he wouldn't sell it. Because he didn't try to be the most popular. Though he had the greatest gift. Amen. Though he wouldn't sell it out to denomination. And we'll fly you here and we'll fly you there and you can, you can speak to the masses and uh, we'll get you to listen to the, the up and ups will come and listen to you and, and all of that and, and it won't be down to the, the down and outs. It'll be to the up and ups. And we'll get you in and we'll provide for you. You'll have a salary and a plane. And you'll be the great man in our organization. You know, that's what the devil will do. He'll offer you everything. He'll offer you boys some little Jezebel that'll never make a mother to your children. He'll offer you, you girls, some little snickle fritz there that, that is not no more interested in the house of God or worship or the Holy Ghost and nothing that'll never be a leader in the home. Amen. That ain't all the devil will offer you jobs, pull you away from the house of God, take you away from fatherhood. Ruin you. Come on. Do everything he can. He's a thief. He comes to rob and to kill and destroy. So therefore, instead of going with them, God gave him a greater portion of the Holy Ghost which would open up the seven seals and the mysteries of God in the book of Revelation would be revealed to us. And we would know what the thunders uttered. They are the revelations contained in the seven seals. It's surprising to me sometimes. You know, I, even this week I had a, a, a preacher ask me, you know, you know, one says the thunders are this and one says they're that. And Brother Tim, what's your opinion? My opinion, I, I, I don't have an opinion. I know what the prophet of God said. You say, well, all the seals aren't open. Then, then you still got, well, the seventh ain't open. Well, then you still got a strap on your Bible. You still don't know the mysteries of God. You still have got a closed book. 
You know what caused that? It's because that people didn't get into the word and eat the book. Kind of reminds me of Brother Daniel Williams. One time, I won't tell you the whole story, but anyway, I'll tell you this part of it just to cut it short. But there was a man that, that came to him and said, you know, the seals aren't open, Brother Tim. The, the seventh seal isn't open. Oh, he said, uh, yeah, it's, it's open. He said, why don't you get me your seal book? So he comes and brings him his seal book. And he looks at it, and there's two places marked in the whole book. And he says, preacher, is this your book? Yeah. No, no, that's not what I mean. Is this the one you study out of? Yes. You know, and then he looked at it, he said, you just got a couple of places marked where somebody else told you what was in it. And he closed it back, and he handed it back to him, and he said, don't you argue with me again till you read this book. Amen. You know, read it, eat it, digest it. You, you, will, you will find out, yeah, Brother Branham you know, said some things in the original seventh seal, and he said he felt checked about releasing it, and so he held it back made a different ending that he would release. But then after his death, the whole, the entire bit of it was, was, uh, was given to us, the original seventh seal. So Brother Branham could say God would not permit it. So therefore, it, it, it wasn't revealed because God wouldn't permit it because he made a new ending to it. Because he said he would send thousands of my friends from me. You know why? Because they'd think he was trying to make himself the seventh angel. So he made a new ending to it. But friends, that's not our excuse anymore. There's over a hundred different quotes where Brother Bannon tells us all the seven seals have been revealed. But it still winds up to be a question and a point of dissension because people... That is their Kadesh Barnea. And they look at it and say, we can't take it. And we can't go into that. And it's not for us. And we can't possess it. It's their Kadesh Barnea. So they wander around and around and around, make a camp out in the wilderness, rather than going on into the Holy Ghost. Now, Kadesh Barnea happens more than once. For many of you today, you're facing a Kadesh Barnea. I got some whole messages to preach on it. But you're at a place where you got to make a choice. You're either going to be talked out of it by the devil because of some circumstance and say, well, it ain't for me, or you're going to go all the way. You got to decide, what are you? Are you one of those that's going to perish in the wilderness? Or are you a Joshua or a Caleb? You got to decide, it is the promise for me, for my children. Amen. This is our inheritance. This is my land. This is my possession. And I'm going to take it. Every sick person is at their own Kadesh Barnea. They don't go on into it and, 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 and fight and take their possession. Well, 
They'll be graduated to the other side. But nevertheless, it's a Kadesh Barnea. But now, I want you to know, Joshua had a ministry, and his ministry was to divide the inheritance that God had left for Israel. And so, his part, his job was to give us the land. And, and of course, because of his love being accepted in the beloved, here in the land, I want you to understand, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Yeah, I know there, there are demons there, there are devils there, there are camped out Jebusites and, and websites and every other thing. Are you with me? Amen. But we have been accepted in the beloved and we're here in the land of the Holy Ghost and there are gifts because of his love. There is healing because of his love. There are miracles and joy and peace and happiness all because of his love. It's all in the Holy Ghost. Let me show you this in the Bible. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. You can put it on the screen for everybody to see. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. You know, because they're, they're about over here arguing over what kind of meats we can eat and whether or not this is kosher and that is not. And he said, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. But here's what the kingdom is. It is righteousness, peace, and joy. Where? In the Holy Ghost. Amen. So all of the promises of God lay in the Holy Ghost. And you're saying, I don't need more of it? Oh, yes, you do. The whole land is yours. Why would you just be satisfied with a little bit? You're not a slave anymore that has no right to own land. You have a right to every divine promise. So here's our domain. This is our kingdom right there. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So that's the kingdom. That's our domain. That's our dominion. That means that's what we're king over. Amen. King of righteousness. King of peace. King of joy. King over your complexes. King over your hindrances. King over what the devil said about you. You're king. Amen. You're not a slave. You have been brought here as a royal nation, a holy priesthood. So you see, that's our borders, and within the borders of our land is the power of God. Overcoming life, miracles, signs, wonders. And once in the Holy Ghost, and you take a part, I say, you know, Jericho gets open, and you see now the whole book is open. Well, you don't stay there at Jericho. We'll just major on this. Now you go on to the next. Amen. You go and expand your borders. Amen. Expand it from sea to sea. All that the word of God says you can have, you do it. 
And, and there, there again, once in the Holy Ghost, we keep expanding. And there we will even meet death itself. And death will be swallowed up in victory. I'm preaching to a people that will meet death himself. Not some little demon. Not some little devil. Not some little complex. Not some little physical problem. Come on. Sickness or ailment, but death himself. And we'll defeat him. For the Bible said death will be swallowed up in victory. That's how complete he has given the land to even death itself will be taken. Wouldn't you like to get it around your hands around his neck and squeeze it real hard till it gasps like you've seen some of your loved ones gasp? Somebody's going to do that. Might as well be me. For this reason I've come. That's the way you feel? Should be. There in the Holy Ghost, we're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. You think that's going to be less of the Holy Ghost? No, it'll be more of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The, the dynamics of this church will be a refilling of the Holy Ghost. You, you know, I, I don't care what part you've taken and how far you've advanced. There's still more to advance. And that's what I keep saying. Advance. So there in the Holy Ghost will be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye with the refilling of the Holy Ghost. We will be caught up to meet him in the air with the dead in Christ from the seven ages. So there again, Brother Bradham talked about this. He said Joshua and Caleb had that faith. They looked at the adversary and they had that faith said, we're more than able to conquer this, anything. The others looked at it and said, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. I don't know how they knew that. They must have went up and asked, what do I look like? Oh, a grasshopper. Well, no, you know, it was in their imagination. You know, some people need their imagination cleansed. Because every time that they listen to something, even repeat, I don't even know how to get along with their own wife or husband because their imagination goes so wild. You know what I'm saying? He said this about me and it never was said. She said that and it was never said. It was imagination. Brother Tim meant this. How do you know what I meant? You let some devil sit on your, on your shoulder and twist what I say and then tell me what I meant. It wasn't what I meant, it's what the devil said to you. But you see, Joshua and Caleb, they had that faith that we're more than able to conquer anything that would come before us. And he said, that's the trouble with the church. We can conquer every disease. We have the power in us. We are sons and daughters of God. Nothing can stand before us. The only thing he wants is to find somebody who will believe it. I say don't let's just come this far and leave uh, the, the systems of the world, denominationalism, and embrace the message and embrace the truth and believe this and believe that and then stop 
short of recognizing who we are and our sonship. He wants somebody who will believe it. He wants to believe, he will believe that what God's already done for you. Not we will be, we are now, and the ever-living presence of the Spirit of God is in us. Now, so again, so God brings them to this land. And they stand at Kadesh, and they go over and check it out. Yeah, the land's just as good as you said it was. It truly flows with milk and honey. Here's the big grapes, clusters that two men have to pack. Here, here's the figs and the pomegranates. You know, you know, there was actually three. Hello. There was actually three fruits that was brought. The grapes, the figs, and the pomegranates. First pull, second pull, third pull. Amen. Every promise of God's word. Is somebody with me? Amen. Lays right there in the promised land. Hallelujah. Amen. Behind me here is the valley of Agilon that I've, that I've had put up for the service today. And, it, and as we were coming through Israel there and we were about to leave, right at that time, the, the, the sun was about to go down. And I said, it's right at the time where Joshua needed more sunlight. And he looked at an impossibility. And he spoke, hallelujah. He spoke not just as a man, but a man commissioned by God who had an authority given to him from God. And he said, sun stand still and moon stand still. We gotta finish this fight. Hallelujah. That's what he did. He looked, I want you to know, that's in the land. The spoken word is in the land. The power of God is in the land. But his sons recognizing their authority and their place and their position, realizing it's for me, it's for my children. Yeah, my children can overcome too. Amen. For them that's so far off, don't matter how long, how far they strayed. It's for you too. You can have it. The land is yours. But you've got to fight for it. So, well, I've got an addiction, Brother Tim. Well, you've got to fight against that thing. You just can't feel sorry for yourself and say, well, I've got an addiction. No, you've got to fight. You've got you you to come to a place where you hate that thing. Amen. You got to find out. You got to find. Come to the place where that you quit looking to that for comfort, and begin to look to Jesus for your comfort. Amen. He's the only thing that will satisfy the thirsting soul. Are you with me? Amen. But the land is yours. Every bit of it's yours. Now, but people are expecting God to reach down and get them by the neck, and 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 say, you know. You bring me out and you clean me off and you heal me and I'll believe you then. And God said, it don't work that way. You start fighting and I'll get behind you and fight with you. But as long as you're content to live with your devils, I'm going to leave you right where you are living with your devils. I hope you finally get miserable until you say, God, I'm through with this. 
But see, God doesn't do his business that way where he just grabs somebody and sets them over there in the land. He said, no, I'm giving you a land that is possessed. I'm giving you a land where devils are camping on a promise and you're going to have to drive him off. Amen. Now, I'm going to go with you and I'll fight your battles, but I'm going to use you to do it. You know, we want God to do all our praying. We want God to do all the everything. You know, everything gives God pick us up, put us in it. And God said, no, that ain't the way I work. The way I work is that you, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use your hands. I'm going to use your mouth. I want you to start proclaiming, I am a daughter of God. I am a child of God. I don't belong to the devil. I belong in this land. I won't be a slave no more. Somebody needs to tell the devil this morning, I'll not no longer be your slave. This is the last day, devil. From now on, I'm serving God. I'm through with your whippings, the sleepless nights, the weary days, the depression. I'm through with it all. I'm ready now to go into the promised land. I'm leaving it behind. Whatever I have to do, if I have to drag you through the blood, you'll never make it through the blood. Hallelujah. Amen. Because the Red Sea of his blood will cover up on you and drown you in the midst, and I'll see you as my enemy dead. You don't have to keep living with your complex. You don't have to keep living with a monkey on your back. You don't have to keep a slave to drugs and alcohol and pornography. You can be free. And I tell you, he that the sun set free, he's really free. Hallelujah. And there's many, many witnesses right here that said, yeah, come on over. The land is good. The Holy Ghost is good. It works. Well, why don't God just go out there and run them Amorites out and those Hittites and Perizzites? Why don't he just run them all out? No, Israel had something to do. You got something to do too. Land is good. Land is yours. You go possess it. Brother Tim, make up my mind for me. Nah, won't do it. Won't help. You're the one who has to choose the narrow way, the harder way, God's way. Now, here's a tip. And I got this tip from Brother Branham who said, I'll give you a little tip. Sometimes you might be sitting out there with a cancer. Or you might be sitting there with the disease and you think, why me being a Christian would it be be in this way? Why would I be sitting like this if I'm a Christian? 
Sometimes God lets the things get so dark that you can't see up, around, or anywhere else, and then he comes and makes a way through it for you that you might say, this day, this scripture is being fulfilled that he promised to do. He let the children, the Hebrew children, walk right into the fiery furnace. But then they said, our God is able to deliver us from this fire and this furnace, but nevertheless, we'll not bow to your image. Amen. And when they walked out of there, the smell, no smell of the furnace was upon them. And they could have said, this day, this scripture is fulfilled. So God allows circumstances in our life so we can be inspired to say this day, this promise, this word is true and it is fulfilled. Hallelujah. Now, Joshua knew what God had said. He was seed of Abraham. And he said, you know, he looked up and said, I believe God has given us this land. And we're more than able to take it. And because he stood the test against that whole group of Israelites, listen, all his brethren, him and Caleb stood together and all the rest of them argued against it. You know, and then they went out and spread the, the, the bad report. You know, first they had to testify, yep, the land's there. It's good as God said. It's flowing with milk and honey. But you see, in this modern age, we can't take it. You see, it ain't for us. Yeah, you know, and, and here they bring back fruit, you know, three, three evidences of that land of how good it really was. And they even disbelieved the evidence. And then he said, so they, they stand there and, and hear Joshua stands the test, and as they give this evil report, the whole congregation now, the whole church, comes under the spirit of depression. And say, would to God we would have died in the wilderness. And then they begin to say, lead us and make us a captain and take us back to Egypt. You see, because they wanted the land, but they didn't want to have to conquer. Now, no matter how big you are or how, what the opposition is, what the doctor said, God gave the promise and God is up to it. Come on, if God gave it, God's going to back up his word. Amen. And here Joshua and Caleb said, keep still. Everybody shut up. They're bred for us. We can take it. Our God is bigger than them. Amen. What we have is greater than what they have. Oh, but they have walls. Our God is greater. And God would prove them walls would fall flat. The moment that they testified and shouted. Maybe God's waiting on you to start shouting. Maybe God's really waiting for you to start quitting quit your negativism and start being positive about the word of God and quit take the cane out and say, I can. 
But you don't know how long I've had this problem. You don't know it's been in my family. You don't know. I don't care what I don't know. I know what I do know. And I know God gave me this land. And I'm taking this land. Hallelujah. The promises to you, to your children. Amen. So it's not only for me, but if I break the cycle, it'll break the cycle for my children. Hallelujah. Why pass this unbelief down to another generation? So what did he do? When he come down to that river Jordan, he possessed the gate of his enemies. Oh, yeah, brother. He done had the devil worried because it was somebody start believing. And if you'll start believing, the devil will get scared because he ain't scared of you as an unbeliever. But the moment you start believing, hallelujah, the moment that you start realizing, amen, I'm not waiting on the power. I've got the power. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And I have the Holy Ghost, so therefore, devil, you got to move back. You ain't holding me. You ain't holding my family. You ain't keeping the promise from me. The promise is mine. God is true to his promise. Right there, right there when that son was about that position over the valley of Agilon. And the enemy was being chased, but they needed a little more daylight. I got to finish this fight. How many is that way this morning? Amen. I'm not just happy just to have them on the run. I'm going to finish this fight. Amen. We're going to take their kings and put our feet upon their neck. Amen. We're going to, hallelujah, we're going to overcome until every one of the enemy is dead. We're not going to live with another complex, another problem, another thing, another lie of the devil. And I'll tell you what, as far as I can tell, Joshua and his, and his camp, they were having some pretty good nights. But the devil in his camp in Jericho was having sleepless nights. You know why? Because they believed the report we heard what you did to the Egyptians we heard what happened at the Red Sea we heard how your God has been with we heard how you have fought against the Amalekites and you licked them we have heard we have heard we have heard and they were trembling I'll tell you when a believer starts believing Hallelujah. Starts being what he is, a believer. And he starts believing. The devil starts backing up. You start giving him nightmares. That's the way Gideon was when he went down to the camp of the Midianites. God said, I... You're wondering about the victory? I want to show you I already got it. So come down here and listen to what they're saying. So Gideon and a buddy went down, and they were listening. What are they saying in the tents? And a man woke up and punched his neighbor and said, I just had an awful dream. You You see, the devil started having nightmares. 
You know what he was working? Listen, there were so many Midianites until they were like the sand of the sea and there were only 300 of Gideon. But those 300 believing in God who wouldn't bow to idols, somebody help me preach, amen, they were more than enough in the hand of God and it had the devil trembling and they were having nightmares. If God can get you to believe in, you'll give your devils nightmares. They're not yours. They're the one bothering you. That's why I called them yours. They're not yours. They don't belong to you. You don't have to live with them. You're not. Come on. You don't belong to them. Amen. You've been set free. But your tormentors that you've had will torment you no more. You know, that's what I want to see rise up out of this church is a bunch of serpent bruisers. Hallelujah, because he said, thy seed will bruise the head of the serpent. And I'm looking for men and women that will stand, and boys and girls that will put their foot on the head of the serpent. Mass him down good. Mass him down good. Disconnect his head off his body. And they shall tread on scorpions and serpents, and nothing shall by any means harm them. Hallelujah. Praise God. Years ago when I had my surgeries, it was back in 1978. Went to an old doctor when I was 12 he looked at my feet and what he would have to do to do a surgery on them. And he swore and he cursed thinking about what he had to do. When I was about 24, 23, I went back to the same old doctor because he was a gutsy old man. He would take risks nobody else would. A guy had crashed on the side of the road in a motorcycle and Brought him up to the hospital. Old Dr. Overdyke said, send him back to the scene of the accident. Pick up every piece of bone you can. Everybody else, all the other doctors said, I just cut his leg off. He said, no, go back and pick up every piece of bone you can find. Bring me every fragment. He cleaned them up and laid them down right in that thing, and they all grew back together, and the man kept his leg. He was a gutsy old doctor. By the time that I, I went to, to him for surgery, he'd had a heart attack. And he didn't smoke anymore because there in the, in the office, he'd light one cigarette off another when I was 12. But he said, he had a heart attack, and he said, in the ambulance, I flicked that cigarette out the ambulance door, and I never smoked another one. But anyway... He gave me a 50% chance of keeping my feet. He said, because of infection or whatever, said, son. He said, but I'll tell you what, a prosthetic be better than what you got in their condition. So I didn't know, I didn't know what, you know what to do. You know, I was looking at this as a very serious thing. You know, you got feet and you don't want to lose them. And so 
You know, I was praying about it. You love this story, my friend. Brother Vermillion's back there listening. He knew Brother Lickers. Brother Lickers received a word from the Lord from, for me. He drove 500 miles over across to deliver that message. And it was Romans 16. And it said, the God of peace will bruise Satan under your feet. I took that word of promise and I went there and I had that surgery. And when I came out of the walking cast, that old doctor that was hard as he could be, he looked at me and said, son, don't you ever thank me for, for what I, I've done? He said, I did nothing. said, listen, you have laid in that hospital nine days. And your feet, your legs swelled up so much. My old ticker would go and beat like this every time I looked at you. said, I just knew I was going to have to cut it off because infection and whatever would get in it. And your foot swelled up so big, we had to cut the cast open and hold it there. And said, but look, son, look at you walking down this aisle. He threw up his hands. He said, praise God, son. You go and have them people pray the same way they prayed that time. Because God has worked a miracle. Well, I'm telling you, that same God that said to me then, the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. This feet will bruise the head of every devil. I put you on notice now. You can criticize, you can make fun, but these feet will put, be put on your head, Satan. Hallelujah. You see, God is true to his promise and no matter what he has to do, if he has to bankrupt heaven, he'll do that before he'll let one word go down. He says, I'm the Lord God that heals all thy diseases. They lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. That's the promise of God. Hallelujah. Joshua didn't have any idea how he was going to get through it, how he would take the city. But God said, I have an angel. I'm sending an angel before you to guide you on your way. Don't despise him. He won't pardon your sins. He'll tear you across the place. He'll ruffle your feathers. But remember, follow him. He's going to lead you to the promised land. Don't despise him. Don't reject him. And you see, God has given every sick person divine healing. Everyone that's wounded by sin, he promises them deliverance. I can show you person after person. You look around a lot of times and think you're sitting in a bunch of saints. They are, but not what they were. Amen. Some of them were drunks and alcoholic and dope heads. Some of them were prostitutes and whoremongers and everything else. But God reached in mercy. Hallelujah. Amen. They looked there at the promises. I ain't worthy to have the Holy Ghost. But God made a promise. Hallelujah. I have nothing worthy about me to have this land. But God made a promise. I can have it. And they pressed through until they received it. 
You got to fight for every inch of ground. Got to put your foot on it. Footsteps is possession. God wants you to fight for your promise. Some of you will go to youth camp this year, this week, and there will be brothers pray for you, and we'll scream and shout and pray and everything else, you know, lay hands on you and pray for you and then tell you to go and believe. Because you got something to do. They put their faith with you. Come on. Amen. They agreed together with you. Amen. They had the power to cast him away. Now you keep him away. Amen. What am I going to do? I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to call on God. I'm going to seek him. I'm, I made my decision. I'm not turning back. Amen. Joshua, he fought for every inch of ground from one end of the country to the other. But God made a promise. I've given it to you. It's yours. I give it to you. And whether there's giants, whether there's atheists, whether there's infidels, whether there's cold formal churches, what difference does it make? Let's take our promised land. Others want to stand there, Kadesh Barnea, and go and wander in the wilderness for the rest of the time. Not me. Not me. I'm ready to take my promise. Someone will go back and say, yeah, it's good. You know, the miracles in there are good. Signs and wonders there are good. You know, yeah, it was wonderful. God healed Atlanta, put hair on hair, hair when the alopecia had taken it off of Mariah. You know, when God healed Sister Karen of brain bleeds and, and gave us six more years together. I heard you say that's right. That happened to your husband. How many resurrections did we see? Amen. Finally, God said, okay, time of his battle is over. It's time to go home. Rest from your labors. I just passed the second anniversary of Karen's going. But let me just tell you, my friends, I'm not sitting around mourning and crying and depressed and whatever else. I know in whom I have believed. I've been left here for a job to do and I'm going to finish it. That's the way you ought to look at yourself today. I'm here to the finish. I'm here to finish the race. I'm here to be that overcomer that's promised. Instead of getting weaker all the time, we ought to get stronger all the time. Hallelujah. You th- I'll tell you what, the devil thinks he had something on his hands before. He's got a whole lot more on his hands. I'm just now beginning to fight. Amen. The Caleb in me is coming out. My sword is sharp, and I'm ready to take my inheritance. Are you ready to take your inheritance? Hallelujah. Take your promise. Take your land. Take your possession. Fight with everything you got. And God's on your side. We started out speaking or reading from the book of Romans, the Lord of Sabaoth. That means the Lord of hosts. The Lord of armies. I want you to know he not only have heavenly army, he's got an earthly army. 
Come on. Amen. And let me tell you, friends, you don't only have a representation here as far as your flesh, but you got a representation there. There was an angel that was assigned to you at your birth. Hallelujah. The word has been watching you over you all of your life. Amen. It's brought you to this point. And I'll tell you what, the Lord is on your side. And he's the God of heavenly armies. And he's the God of earthly armies. And we're here a part of the earthly army. And we're here putting our shoulder to the wheel and saying, we will have every promise that God gave. Because it's ours. Jesus paid for it. We're going to possess the land of our inheritance. But you are at your own Kadesh Barnea. Some of you young people will be going to the camp and you'll be looking there and you'll see others bring back fruit. Victories. Well, Brother Tim, I ain't never seen one. I was, your, I was a 15-year-old. I was the Lord's victory. And I'm still here today, his victory. So well, I've seen him come and I've seen him go and I've seen him fall and I've seen him not stand. Well, you got to look at one here that 50 something years and I'm still standing. A young person in this generation, in this age, in this time, but you are now at your Kadesh Barnea. You got to make your own decision. It lays in the lap of every man, every woman. What will I do with this Jesus called Christ? Because he's on your hands. And you can't wash it off. Pilate couldn't and you couldn't. So the best thing to do is take it and place him in your heart. I want you to bow your heads with me. Want the musicians to come. It's a Kadesh Barnea moment anytime you see a promise of God. And you have to decide. Like Joshua and Caleb. Whether what you are seeing is true or whether what God's word says is true. Whether circumstances are too big. Your problem's too large. I can never break this addiction. I can never get over this problem. If I would have listened to the devil, he'd have disqualified me many years ago. He'll do everything he can to disqualify you. He'll do everything he can to try to find some blemish, some fault, some this, some that. One, why you're unworthy, not able. If I'd have listened to him, there wouldn't be a church called the Evening Light Tabernacle. If you listen to him, there won't be a rapture for you. If you listen to him, you'll go right on a slave to that addiction. Satan destroying you in your marriage, your home, 
destroying your kids. He's a thief. He comes to rob and to kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I come to give life, an abundant life. Why don't you ask him today? Lord, let me come into the abundance, abundance of the Holy Ghost. To the fullness of my destiny that you promised me in the beloved. God bless you. He sees your hands. Would there be somebody here today say, Brother Tim, I'm, there's an addiction in my life. There's a, a situation there that I, I've never been able to overcome. I drink. I use alcohol. I do this. I do that. You know the reason for it is because God made you to thirst after him. And you're thirsting for a living God. A cold creed of some denomination ain't going to satisfy that longing. You're going to have to meet Jesus. In a time, in a time at your Kadesh Barnea today where you're forced to make a choice. That today... You say, I don't want to be a slave any longer. I want to be free. Would there be somebody raise their hand to God and say, that's me. I I want to be free. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Is there someone else? Amen. He sees you. Your little heart. My soul thirsts for living God. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, you'll take these words today. As we prepare for the communion, we sing the song says, Oh, what fellowship, oh, what joy divine. Leaning on the everlasting arm. I pray that every man, woman, boy, and girl will come into that fellowship, into that joy divine, where they can realize if God is on my side, If he had not been on my side, if he had not left a remnant, we'd all be as Sodom and Gomorrah. We'd all be consumed. But Lord, you've left a remnant. You've left a people who want to serve you, who wants to give their lives to you. I pray that you'll minister to them in a special way today. Every heart, every life. I pray that those addictions and things that they're... God that's holding on their lives will be broken that today they can say I'm willing I'm willing to take God at his word I'm willing to fight through until I see victory in Jesus name I ask it for your glory prepare our hearts Lord as we come to the communion table in Jesus name amen amen God bless you We're going to be coming to the communion here just in a moment. Brother Timothy's going to come and lead a couple of songs. We have to do things just a little different than because of the size of our audience and those who participate. So, you know, when we were just a little home church or there in the old Lebanon Primitive Baptist building. 
we'd just stand around in a circle and I'd take the, the one glass and platter of bread and walk around and serve communion. Then things changed. Things, different things are needed. And we have to change. We do it like Brother Branham did. It's in the, it's in the message. We used the multiple cups and the broken bread. I loved it in the old church where we could, while we was waiting on the sisters to come back from their foot washing, us brothers could gather around, lay hands on one another, pray over different needs till everybody gathered back in. That was wonderful. We moved here. We have to do things a little different. So as you know, that when we do have the communion here in a minute, you'll be ushered down the aisle by the by one of the ushers and you will, the deacons will be holding the bread, the wine. I will be standing there as the guard to the table, watching each one of you as you come through. That's the way we were instructed to do. And then you'll go out and go to foot washing. So, well, it's not night. Yeah. It's not enough. It's dark enough. The world we're living in is dark enough. And when you leave from here and from this church, you're going to have to go out into the darkness. But you can go out with a song in your heart, knowing that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So God bless you as we prepare for that moment. Brother Timothy, will you just come and lead us in some songs now? Everlasting arms I 